Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm Neil Manthorpe, and over the next hour, I'll be joined, as always, by my co-host, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison, for another busy show. We'll review England's draw with New Zealand in the first test at Lords, and we'll hear from Joe Root, Chris Silverwood, Gary Stead, and debutant Devon Conway. As well as that, we'll look back at an eventful round nine of the county championship Plenty to get stuck into, as always. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Well, Harmi, let's, uh, let's start with England's first test against New Zealand and let's start at the end because uh, the final couple of sessions have uh, evoked some quite strong emotions from, from England fans and former players, many believing that uh, they should have shown more intent Michael Atherton uh, wrote a fascinating piece in The Times about the last day's play in which he said he thought England misread the mood in the room uh, when they uh, declined to chase that target uh, that was set at 273. Um, you know, they finished on 170 for three. They obviously felt that uh, it, it wasn't within the realms of possibility. I, I'm interested to know whether you think they might have chased it if Ben Stokes and... Uh, Joss Butler had been playing. Well, where do you sit on? Do you think uh, they deserve some of the criticism that they've got? A little bit, yeah. I think a little bit. You can, you could have a go at the mindset of where that England dressing room is in Test match cricket from a batting point of view. Numbers one to seven. With Butler and Stokes, I don't think Kane Williamson gives them that chance. I don't <laughs> think Kane Williamson would... I, I, it was a great decision by Kane Williamson. If that was England, if that was the batting lineup. And that was in Kane Williamson's shoes. I'm declaring then as well. No Stokes, no Butler. Can't just sort of give himself a concrete foundation and let the two guys come in at the bottom end and have a bit of a blast. Turned into the 2020 game. England, no confidence. Completely shot with confidence with the bat. If it's not for the captain. I thought Burns batted very, very well. They batted a long time. And it's easy from like the likes of Michael Atherton and Michael Vaughan. I heard Michael Vaughan's comments to say, oh, well, just go out there and if you lose a couple of wickets, you can shut up shop. The people that are losing the wickets, they're playing for their careers. And that's the thing for me. It's all well and good. Yes, it's the team game. But you're trying to tell somebody like a Zach Crawley, like a Dom Sibley, Ollie Pope. You know, these Some of these young players who are trying to fight for their career when the likes of Michael Atherton and, and Michael Vaughan are, you know, are potentially pulling apart some of their dismissals and the decision making. Because that was my biggest thing. The decision-making in the first innings was poor. Now, to go out and try and play carefree might have done them a favour. It might have just sort of released the shackles, give them a bit of confidence. If they go out and knock it off, you know, what a way to set up the summer. But I don't think that I don't think the confidence is in that dressing room, especially without Stokes and Butler. So, for me, they've got themselves a, a slow start. And from there, it wasn't the easiest pitch to score on. didn't look like. But Lords is a fast scoring ground. You can get you can get a, you go away and get the game. So 
I was surprised they didn't go for it, but I can fully understand why they didn't. I thought New Zealand bowled beautifully throughout the Test match. I think if they had a full five days, England would have lost. I don't think England would have would have been able to to sort of hold out for a draw, you know, for for 110 overs on that sort of surface uh, against that bowling attack. So be interesting to see what happens up at Edgebaston. No damage, as I say, but go with a bit of a positive intent or make sure that you don't get bowled out for another 180, 190, lose the game by 100 runs. And then all of a sudden you start the summer off on a complete and utter negative, especially with India and the Ashes around the corner. So I understood why they didn't go for it. Pity, wasn't it, though, with uh, with crowds back or some crowds anyway, some people uh, and and no World Test Championship points at stake. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a dull old finish. Mm. Um, but really positive cricket from from New Zealand and Williamson. Definitely, I thought I thought they bowled beautifully. I thought Tim Southey bowled fantastic, ably backed up by Wagner. Um, I thought you know, the whole lot, you know, the, even the, the likes of Colin de Gronholm, who sort of filled in just to give the the big guys a little bit of a um, a bit of a bit of a break. Uh, and I was very very impressed. First time I've seen properly Kyle Jamieson with with the red ball. His figures are ridiculous. The average is something like fifteen, but to see him first time. The way he used the slope, day one, I had a little not, it wasn't a, a go at him or anything, but I didn't think he used the slope as well as he did in the next next few days. So, whether the bowling coach spoke to him by you know, how to use the slope and not going against it, especially to the left hander, um, I thought he bowled beautiful. And the way he got Joe Root out first ball of the second or third morning, they're a, they're a real deal, these guys, the New Zealand team. It'll be a great test, test match against uh, India for the World Test Championship. What a test match that'll be down at uh, down at Southampton. Before we go any further, let's just remind ourselves of what Joe Root said in defence of England's decision not to uh, to chase the target on the last day. You look at the declaration on the surface; it looks like quite a generous one in many ways. But having played on that wicket for for best part of four days going into into it, we knew it was going to be um, not as straightforward as it as it looked. Um, you look at the runways throughout the game. Not no one has scored over three and over throughout the whole game, even when the pitch was at its absolute best. So, um, I think the important thing for us was we wanted to lay a foundation, give ourselves a start to work with. And you know, once we got through an, an initial phase, it, it just didn't feel like it, it was a realistic, um, realistic opportunity for us to win the game. So it was about actually using that as an opportunity to be a bit more disciplined as a batting group. That was Joe Root defending England's decision to bat out the final day. Um, we're coming on to Devon Conway in just a moment, Harmi, but I want to ask you about Zach Crawley. Not the fact that uh, he failed, um, made a low score in both innings, but the way, the way he got out, that's going to hurt him more than the numbers, isn't it? I mean, you have very loose drives outside the off stump. Yeah, the first one, the first one I thought was a decent bit of bowling by Saudi. The way he manoeuvred him across the crease, then chucked the wide one in and said, right, off you go. You either leave that or you belt it for four, and he did. He did neither. He really just pushed at it. it wasn't he was? It looked as though he's had a big expansive shot. There was a little bit of tentativeness in his hands. Second one concerns me more, and I wonder. I, I just wonder, man, is that Zach Crawley is somebody who wants to get after the game, wants to get after the ball, and possibly the mindset of the England dressing room, which wasn't going to go for the win, just added to the. To, to, to Zach Crawley's mindset and of his dismissal. And what I mean by that is when somebody is free-flowing, wants to hit the ball, but has got this in the back of his mind that he's playing for the draw and he got a bat out, sometimes your hands and your feet don't work together. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. His hands were miles out in front of him. His front foot went nowhere. Absolutely. I thought his shoelaces were tied together. Looked as though he got his front studs stuck in the ground. And that would worry me more than his first inning shot. Didn't know whether to go at it. Didn't know whether to be t- tentative and and block it. And all of a sudden, he's done neither. His feet's trying to, his feet saying block it, and his hands is trying to say go and hit it. And he got in between. So that's something he needs to he needs to have a think about the way to getting up to edge Baston. But look, he's a young man who has scored a big double hundred in the last five or six Test matches. He's got talent. We have to stick with him, uh, along with you know one or two others, and and hopefully that these little mistakes that they're making now 
will stand them in good stead throughout this summer and, and beyond because if they keep making mistakes, then you have to make changes. But if these, are, if these sometimes you have to make a mistake as a grown man, as a professional sportsman, to actually get better, and fingers crossed that is the case for Zach Crawley and, and one or two others. There's a general feeling that Ollie Pope's uh, going to be moved up to number three at some point. I suppose that's uh, it, it'll be considered, uh, I guess, uh, maybe during the India series. Rory Burns has been churning out the 50s, um, 100 for Surrey. So uh, he made a, the best of a couple of lives, didn't he? But I mean, he, he, he just looks really, really well grooved. A bit like Devon Conway. <laughs> they really know their games perfectly. That's exactly right. He knows his game. There's a lot of moving parts and I'd, I'd enjoy bowling. I feel as though, as a quick tall bowler, I'd quite like bowling at Rory Burns, especially sort of bringing the ball back into him because, you know, if he doesn't quite get in sync, you've got a chance because there's a lot of moving parts. But at this minute in time, the moving parts are in the right direction. Sometimes they don't and then, you know, the, you see the, you know, the, the mistakes that he's made and how he's got out. I'm one of Rory Burns' biggest critics in the last, Four or five weeks, he's been brilliant. Not only just for for England, but for Surrey. Um, got himself in a position to hit the first test in the summer ground running. I thought he batted beautifully. There was a little question mark on, I think it was the end of, was it end of day, was it a day three of the session he had? He got 13 runs, start of day three, first session. And there was wickets, but there was wickets flying everywhere. You know, wickets flying everywhere. Root gets out first ball of the, of the morning. Lawrence plays a shocking shot. You know, you've got to absorb the pressure and earn the right to score runs. And there was a little bit of criticism thrown Rory's way. I didn't for one minute. I thought you have to battle through. You have to earn the right. He did. He got the 100, got on the honours board, released the shackles when Jimmy Anderson come in, got England into a position where they're still in the game. If he gets out for 70, when one of his chances, I think he missed something, he got a drop. He gets out for 70, gives it away. All of a sudden, England are a... You know, nearly have to follow on and then England get beat. So, you know, if it wasn't for Rory Burns, um, he kept England in a test match. And uh, Tim Southey, of course, he's still only 32, you know. It feels like he's been around forever. Well, he, he has because he made his test debut at 19. You recall um, the uh, straight out of the Under-19 World Cup, he was yeah. handed a test debut against England. And I think he, t- he took five for 50 and then smashed 70 off 40 balls. He did, on debut. Yeah. He did on debut, yeah, and he's he's a champion, absolute champion. He's he's England, he's New Zealand's version of Anderson and Broad. Go down with one of the all-time greats of New Zealand cricket. They don't play anywhere near as much Test match cricket. That's why Tim Southey will not get the sort of four fifty, five hundred Test match wickets. He doesn't. They haven't played the the volume of cricket that Anderson and Broad have played. So he won't get into the higher echelons of the, the wickets. But skill level was brilliant. The ball he got James Bracey with. Second ball of your test of your test debut. And he's just slipped one back through the any little gap. And it was there. It was a, the gap was only there for the second the ball went through. And it was just a brilliant bit of bowling for me. It was a brilliant bit of bowling. And he he deserves all the credit. He's been a, a an unbelievable cricketer for New Zealand. Um, and he showed at Lords, you know, that slope, how he used the slope, McGrath type, bowled beautifully for me, he bowled beautifully. And he was, for me, he was, if it wasn't for Conway, he would have been, he would have been my man of the match to get, to get six, five, 46 on the, on that sort of, on that sort of wicket. I was uh, very, very impressed. He's got 309 wickets at 28, but since he turned 30 and he's 32 now, his wickets have come at 21. So he's getting better and better. And finally, a quick word from Devon Conway on scoring 200 at the home of cricket. Pretty surreal moment for me. I mean, I couldn't have dreamed um, for a bit of a start to my test career. So um, it'll take a few days for that to sink in for me personally. But um, yeah, it was really cool just to have um, Henry Nichols at the at the um, non-strikers in really cheering, cheering me on and saying congratulations. And then looking up at the balcony with everyone cheering, it was Pretty special moment and, um, yeah, very grateful that that's how it went today. 29-year-old Devon Conway uh, making his debut very, very memorably. But uh, for now, you're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and my co-host, Steve Harmison. Still to come, we'll review round nine of the county championship. But next, we'll discuss a very mixed week for Ollie Robinson and look ahead to Thursday's second test. 
On the biggest day of my career so far, I'm embarrassed by the racist and sexist tweets I posted about eight years ago. I want to make it clear that I'm not racist and I'm not sexist. I deeply regret my actions and I'm ashamed of making such remarks. I was thoughtless and irresponsible and regardless of my state of mind at the time, my actions were inexcusable. Today should be about my efforts on the field and the pride of making my test debut for England. But my thoughtless behaviour in the past has tarnished this. I would like to unreservedly apologise to anyone I've offended, my teammates and the game as a whole in what has been a day of action and awareness and combating discrimination from my sport. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 as we continue to review the first test between England and New Zealand at Lords, which ended in a draw. It was a very mixed week for debutant Ollie Robinson, who's now been suspended from all international cricket pending the outcome of a disciplinary investigation following uh, historic tweets he posted in 2012 and 2013 of a racist and sexist nature. He was 18 at the time. Before I come to you, Harmi, let's hear what uh, England coach Chris Silverwood has said uh, about the subject. This, it, was, it was very disappointing. I mean, what should have been one of Ollie's greatest days of his career didn't end up so good for him. Uh, I think it was a, a stark reminder to us all, you know, I mean, the responsibilities that we hold in the positions that we're in. And obviously there is absolutely no place in this game for any form of discrimination whatsoever. And he showed a lot of remorse. He apologised, obviously, publicly apologised to the dressing room. And I think it's been a, a really big learner for him. But I think the big thing was all his education. You know what I mean? We're all striving to be better. Uh, none of us are perfect. And we all need, I mean, to, to follow through on the education, to make sure that we're learning all the time um, and we can make the world a better place. But, you know what I mean, more importantly, we work hard to make sure that this great game is, you know I mean, inclusive for everybody. England coach, uh, England head coach, Chris Silverwood, well, I think most people will have strong feelings on it, Harmi, and um, everybody is attempting to, to tread gently. There are some people who think that the ECB have overreacted um, by suspending uh, Robinson pending an investigation. I, I can see their argument, but I can also, probably more strongly, uh, see a very sensible justification for suspending him and just making sure that there are no more skeletons in the closet, amongst other things. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think they had to suspend him because I have to find out exactly what is going on. The mindset of Ollie Robinson was that 18 years, 18 year old tweet. And is, has he been educated? Does he know the difference now? I can understand when people are having a go at the ECB, I think they're wrong to have a go at the ECB because they're just going through a protocol and they have to tick the right box to make sure they're making the decisions and the decisions are right. They haven't said how long they've suspended him for, but he might be suspended until the end of the next test match, just to find out whether it is, it is, you know, there's no other messages out there. Do some digging. Is this Ollie Robinson now? Does he still have these thoughts and beliefs? Because, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to long-term, they don't want to get bitten again. So I can understand them suspending him. I would like to think that it can be done within a week because the kid would he kid had a take the, the tweets and everything out of it, not forget it, just take it out of it. He had a fantastic test match. He he bowled beautifully. He batted very, very well. He showed that he can play in test in the test match arena. But what I liked about it is on day two, after everything he had to go through on day one at the end of it, to come back put your boots on and hit your straps and hit the ground run and do what he did on day two tells me that this kid's mindset, he can leave problems at the door and go out there and focus on just playing cricket. And I think that going further down the line stands him not only in good stead, but I think it's another tick in the box for him when he gets to the big series against India, big series against Australia. So it'd be interesting to see where we go from here. Me, my honest opinion is that he's been, it's not a case of being punished enough, but this this didn't happen eight hours ago, eight months ago. It was eight years ago. I hope that the kids are more educated now. I hope the kids learn a hell of a lot of different outlooks of the way he sees the world. And to sit and apologise emotionally, he had to sit in front of the world and apologise on his test match debut at Lords when it was supposed to be the best year of his life. The embarrassment and the shame... And mud sticks, so this is going to be with him for the rest of his cricketing days and beyond, probably. 
I think that's, I think that I would say that for me, that's punishment enough. I, I just hope as long as it's made him a better person and he knows now what's right and what's wrong, it will have made him a better person. If that's the case, then I think for me, I think that, 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 that's enough for me. That's enough for me. So if they can get it concluded as quickly as they can and get the kid back playing cricket, it's just bad timing. It was bad timing. Absolutely horrendous timing. But that's the point of the investigation. Yeah. That's what the ECB wants to be absolutely certain about. So, you know, it makes sense. Just quickly, seven for 101 uh, in the match for Robinson. Uh, terrific. But how important was his 42 runs? His 42, his 42 runs along with, with, with Rory Burns didn't mean England had to follow on. And that, for me, in a four-day game, because obviously a day that lost, lost to Ryan, was was so invaluable, so invaluable. And we said it for the last three weeks, the, the, the Overton or Robinson had to play because number eight was so important. And it proved, it proved that. And it proved that England's batting lineup is nowhere near as strong as it should be. But number eight is important. And, you know, they've drafted in Don Best. That says it enough where he's probably the, the third or the fourth best spinner in the country at the minute because the C number eight is being somebody who needs to score runs. Ollie Robinson's cricket... I thought was fantastic this week. One of the as good a debutant I've seen for for a long, long time. For the simple fact, of what happened to him at the end of day one to keep going and come back from that, thought he was. Uh, I, I was very, very impressed. And I think hopefully, three to six months time, that that this stuff goes behind him and he can still carry on with his his career because I think he's got a bright future in England colours. And I think going to Australia. He could be a handful on them Australian wickets because of his accuracy and height. So I thought England bowled well. Like the thirty overs at the end of at the end of day four was as good as I've seen England bowl for four seamers wise for for a long time. I thought Broad and Anderson didn't get a great deal of luck, but they put the ball in the right area and caused problems. They were just beaten by a guy who who on debut was absolutely magnificent in Conway. But I thought England's bowlers did very very well. Yeah, I, I sense that um, one of Chris Silverwood's themes as, as head coach and now selector as well is loyalty. Um, and, you know, Don Bess has taken 14 wickets at 40, but um, Matt Parkinson is just one of a number of other spinners who might have felt that um, <laughs> they might have got to look in. Yeah, and that, that, that's it. It's just, I think Don Bess, the thing that Don Bess has got on all of them, he, he knows which end of the bat to hold. And he can get a few runs. And I think that that with no Ben Stokes, no Joss Butler, no Sam Curran or Chris uh, Chris Wokes, not having the all-rounder and having a, a proper number eight, I think that is that is the issue for England. England couldn't go in with each at eight, not with his batting lineup. And I think that that proved that's what they needed Robinson. So I think they're probably gonna have to look at Overton playing. Um, instead of possibly instead of Robinson, uh, which potentially gives them the option to play Leach because he gives them that, that little bit more batting. Or if they're going to stick with Broad, Anderson and Wood, they might have to play Don Best and Byram at number eight because them, them runs are very, very value, valuable. A number eight batsman had saved England from a, from a, a following on in this, in this first test match. So they might be looking at that and thinking we might have to go down that road for, for Edge Baston. And from a New Zealand point of view, um, it, uh, the uh, isolation period has uh, been relaxed. Um, so that means Trent Bolt, who is a world-class left-arm swing bowler, as we all know, um, he wasn't originally going to be considered, or Coach Gary Stead said that he wasn't originally going to be considered for the second Test match and would only play in the World Test Championship final. But uh, here's Gary Stead on the situation now with Trent Bolt. Yeah, I think Kent, uh, Trent is more keen than he than he was a week ago, and again, that that's because he's he's over here now. Um, he, he's part of the environment, um, which is great. I think he's still probably right now. It's a little bit early for us to make that call. He's only been here forty eight hours. He's still probably suffering from a little bit of jet lag and stuff as well. So, again, we have to weigh up all those risks, I guess, before we make that that firm decision. Black Caps head coach Gary Stead. 
um, on Trent Bolt. I'm a huge, huge fan, as you may have detected, of uh, Trent Bolt in all formats, Harmy. And, you know, I, two questions there. How, how are New Zealand going to fit him in? Or rather, who is going to be unlucky enough to be ejected from, from the first Test eleven in order to fit him in? Um, and, and, you know, that it, it really is going to be problematic for England if he does uh, play in that second Test. He's such a quality performer. Yeah, what a what not only what a bowler, but what a lineup that would be. You know, I, I'm you. I'm not sure where where does he fit in. Do they leave De Grandholm out? That's the, the the only one I can see. Or do they go down the road of what England did and go the opposite way? England have brought in a, a set another spinner into the squad because he's probably going to have to bat at number eight. So they're, they're not going to go with the four seamers. New Zealand might go in with with well five seamers if you care if you count De Grandholm and not play Mitch Santner. And play a Trent Bolt. I think whichever way, they, whichever way they go, they're weakening the baton a little bit and making the bowling stronger. Do they think, you know what, we can do that. We can afford to do that because of how how much confidence is that England's bowling, our batting lineup have got. If we've got Bolt, Wagner, Saudi, Jameson, they'll be thinking they're not going to get 300. I'm still not a big fan of not going in with a, some some form of a spinner, which means that New Zealand will have five out-and-out seamers on a flat pitch at Edgebaston. Not seen the surface yet, but I know it's going to be flat. 18,000 people allowed in five days in a row. This is going to be a chief executive pitch, which is not going to bounce <laughs> above Shin High, and it's going to be flat. A reminder that the second test gets underway at Edgebaston on Thursday, and you can hear reaction to every day's play on the following on podcast. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. And next up, we look back at uh, round nine of the county championship as Leicestershire win again, Lancashire lose for the first time, and Darren Stevens continues to shine up 45. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to work in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show so far or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast now available from the free Talksport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, I'm going to start. Hold on to your seats, Harmy. Leicestershire win again, beat top of the table Gloucestershire by an innings and 93 runs. I say uh, Gloucestershire top of the table, that is uh, top of, or they're actually second in uh, Group 2 with 109 points. But they, uh, with four wins, they were flying high. They were on top of the group. They've lost their last two. But never mind that, Leicestershire. How about that? Another victory and uh, a comprehensive one by an innings and 93 runs against uh, Gloucestershire. Big uh, runs, 451 of them for Leicestershire. Um, but they've really turned things around, They're making making you scrape the egg off your face. I am, yes. I'm scraping it off big time, Paul Nixon. Well done. It's fantastic. You know, Harris, Australian, you know, a middle order player, where we will see him in the ashes, the amount of volume, you know, volume of runs he's starting to get and accumulate. Big runs last week and a great run chase. Fantastic run chase for Leicester. And, 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 um, and, and Paul Nixon, his coach, will be delighted because there's a lot of young 
Leicester boys in there who have been developed through their academy. Um, and yeah, good on him. I'm really pleased for Nico because if there's anybody that, a giver in life that wants to give his time and he's for anybody that wants to learn, Paul Nixon's definitely a man. So, you know, it was a, it's a fantastic win. Gloucester seemed to be struggling the last two weeks without James Bracey. It's just as simple as one player coming out their side that potentially holds them all together. Um, and they're not getting the volume of runs that the, that they had been getting, but take nothing away. It's a fantastic win for Leicester. Um, the flying high twice in two, you know, two wins, two weeks. I bet you Paul Nixon's over the moon, and so he so he should be. It's handy having a very very good having a good overseas player. If he sets the right example, make sure that the young players are learning off him, but more importantly that he's leading from the front and getting runs. Harris is doing that, and Leicester look a good side. Uh, 16 wickets to two spinners. Callum Parkinson, the left armour, hmm. with uh, 10. And, and Colin Ackerman had a good game, a half century. And then three wickets in each innings as well for him. So um, let's move on to Somerset drawing with uh, Hampshire. Um, Somerset still 10 points clear at the top of, uh, of Group 2. They, uh, what, what struck you about this? They, they seemed to be a little cautious with their declaration. Yeah, but... Um... As well as that, the the you, what you like about it, lower order runs, you know the 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 partnership. I think for the was it the eighth wicket, seventh wicket, Gregory and Rudolf van der Merwe. Yeah, they were yeah. one hundred and thirteen for seven, Army, and made yeah. three hundred and sixty. <laughs> get three hundred and sixty. Van der Merwe eighty eighty eight. Gregory one hundred and seven. So Banton forty five. Batten at number seven as well. So I'm not sure if he had spent a bit of time off the field, but yeah, that that was it's a mammoth total. Could it have been a little bit more with a with a with a declaration, but yeah, you just you just never know. You never know down at uh, down at Taunton, anything could be chased. Looked as though it was a flat, it was a good pitch by the by the scores that were in there. And at this time of the year, Somerset will say we'll take the draw. We're top of the league with ten points clear of uh, of Hampshire, who are in third. Gloucester looked as though they've got in quicksand. Don't really want to open the gates and potentially lose to give Surrey, who are fourth in the table, a chance to just come up on the on the blind side. So Somerset are probably happy with being ten points clear with two games to go, and probably didn't want to give give Hampshire any sort of can, uh, carrot to, to sort of go at. Yeah, Hampshire in third place in Group Two, just one point behind uh, Gloucestershire. So yeah, it was a uh, full of runs. Uh, let's move on to. Group three, Yorkshire beat Sussex late in the day on day four by an innings and 30 runs. Lots of good stories in in this one. Sussex made 313, Ben Brown 127. And um, Daniel Ibrahim became the youngest player to score a half century in the history of the county championship at the age of 16 years and 299 days. Amazing, amazing story. Mm. Yorkshire then piled the runs on with Darby Land making 199 and a total of 558. And Sussex eventually bowled out for 215 to go down by an innings and 30. And Daniel Ibrahim, by the way, bowled 21 overs. <laughs> so much for workload management for the youngsters. Yeah, I wonder if he, he still works on the junior workload where you could only, I think, I'm nearly sure it'll be six overs. At 16, you'd have to bowl six overs. You get permission off your schoolmaster or his, his mum and dad. You can you can just see it, can't you? Your mum and dad's writing a letter. I give permission for my son to bowl more than six overs on a flat wallet headedly. Um, just to stay honest, yeah, it's, it's a great story. I tell you what, I did see manners. And for anybody that's that you know talk about former players, our very own Matt Pryor, he did the captain ceremony and he spoke beautifully. He's give out two caps, talked about Pryor playing for Sussex. So not only did Yogi Ibrahim get his debut at 16, he got his cap off an England legend um, with some very, very kind words. It was great. It was fantastic to see. It was, it was about two, not, two minutes on the uh, on, on Sussex Twitter feed. So, you know, if, if you want to see that, it was a really, really nice touch. Um, and David Milan, 199, as he's saying to the selectors, you know, I'm, I still, I've left the big city. I've gone to a test ground. I've proven, you know, that I can score runs. England's top seven. Not got if the England feel in the top seven again this week is David Milan saying the selectors. Well, I'm going to play all the white ball games coming up. I've got another section of white ball games after that. I'm in touch. 
I'm not finished with Test match cricket yet. If he has a good one-day series, is he putting himself with this 199 right back in the shop window of playing Test match cricket again? Runs as well for Gary Balance, 77. And uh, keep an eye on Harry Duke. Not that there's any shortage of talented young wicketkeeper batsmen in England. But uh, Harry Dukes, um, he looks very, very organised for uh, a a young man. 21 years old, another half century from him. And uh, finally, in this section, Kent's draw with uh, Northamptonshire. Yeah, Northants 392, the Moneyball team. Emilio Gay scored uh, a century. Luke Proctor, uh, 81. Darren Stevens, 5 for 73. <laughs> Unstoppable. And one of the stories of the week for me is that uh, Kent have offered him an extension, a year's extension on his uh, contract, which is just fabulous. Kent then declared uh, 62 runs behind, 330 for five. But uh, Northants, 184 for eight. So that game had draw uh, written all over it. It did, yeah. And it's great to see Steve-O keep going. Uh, 46. Could he get to the magic 50? Could he get <laughs> somewhere close to the magic 50? That would just be, it would be, uh, that would be unbelievable. But why not? Why not? You know, he's going to be, uh, you know, he'll still be playing first class cricket, probably at 47. And he doesn't look as though he's slowing down anytime soon. Hundreds, fifers. Another player, another, another Ollie Robinson, who actually, to be fair to him, he had to, he had to, he tweeted out after the first day of the test match saying, it wasn't me, because he got a lot of abuse. He got a lot of stick, the poor lad. <laughs> poor lad got a lot of stick. Another very, very... I, I spoke to Rob Key about this, you know, a couple of the young Kent players, and he says they've got some some good young talent there coming through, you know, ready to ready to sort of burst into not only the first team, but to, to sort of challenge for potential you know, lion squads and things like that. And another very, very talented young witty keeper. He's gone in opening the baton. He'd been batting it down at number seven, scoring a few runs. He's now gone in opening the baton, got 120. Yeah, well done. Kent in group three move up uh, off the bottom into fifth place, despite being one of just two teams which hasn't won a game all season, the other one being Derbyshire. Um, but Northants still have aspirations with two games to go of uh, finishing in the top two and then being uh, put into the first division for the final four games of uh, the season in September. They are just uh, 12 points behind Yorkshire in uh, third place. Lancashire and Yorkshire still top of Group 3 and look heading for, look to be heading into uh, Division 1. Right, in, uh, the, uh, we'll do the rest of the Championship games in Part 4 of the programme. This is the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Next up, we look at Lancashire's first defeat of the season and discuss an exciting Group 1 with just nine points separating the top four. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And in the final part of the show, we'll look at that exciting Group 1 of the County Championship. But before we do that, we'll continue to review Group 3. We'll finish off Group 3 as Lancashire lost for the first time this season, going down to Glamorgan by six wickets. Um, I don't think too many people saw this coming at uh, the Swalek Stadium. Uh, Lancashire bowled out for 173. Uh, Michael Nisa took seven wickets in the game for Glamorgan. But then Glamorgan themselves have bowled out for 150 to concede a first inning lead of 23. So it looked like Lancashire would assert their authority. May just be a little bit of a hangover from their... Um, their Roses victory last week for Lancashire uh, because they were then bowled out for 164 and Glamorgan chased down the highest score in the game, 188 for four with Manus Labuschagne or Labuschagne making an unbeaten 63 not out. A brief look at David Lloyd again. Uh, he looks, really looks the business. Looks, He just strikes it so sweetly. But, but all round, an unexpected and a very welcome victory for Glamorgan. Yeah, definitely. A, a, a big victory for the men. Some some runs for, for Labuschagne because he mentioned, he did an article during the week, which I quite, I quite enjoyed reading. He talked about the, the positives of being in county cricket and how much he's the last three, four, you know, the last, the last three months. Um, he's learned about mindsets and, you know, the, the way the game is and the challenges that come with, with playing county, the, the, the county stuff. So, um, it wasn't a, a great game for, for the batting class. It wasn't a classic for the batting, being 188, being the top score in the match. But, you know, Nisa is a good bowler. He is a good bowler. I think, I don't think that, I think that um, 
the, the Glamorgan bowling lineup is is not bad. Two very, very good experienced new ball bowlers in Hogan and and Lisa and, and, and Nisa. So yeah, all in all, it's a bad day for, for Lancashire where you think you know, they've got another month before the next games, the next round of games. Lancashire win, they're in the they're in the first division, they're comfortably in the first division if they win. Now it just opened the door a little bit for Northampton in that group three to potentially catch one of the red or the white rows. Um, so Lancashire will be very, very disappointed, possibly a little hangover from the, the Roses game. But if Lancashire had won, they'd have been on about 140 points. That would have been 30 points clear of Northampton. And that would have been them home and hosed in the first division. So yeah, they've, they'll be disappointed that they've gone down to wheels and, and, and lost that game. But fair play to, to Glamorgan. You know, they didn't just roll over. They haven't given up the ghost probably not going to qualify for Division 1, but they probably will now qualify for Division 2 with Kent and Sussex being a little bit adrift. So it was an important, it was an important, important win for Glamorgan. Let's move on to the Warwickshire Bears, who've uh, moved to the top of Group 1 with victory over Whipping Boys Derbyshire, whom they bowled out for just 121 and 117. That was a, a miserable performance from from Derby, but take nothing away from uh, Warwickshire Seamers. Craig Miles, five for 30. Liam Norwell, four for 24 in the first innings. And then Oliver Hunt and Dolby back into uh, the action, back into the wickets, four for 24. Danny Briggs took two for two in 11 balls uh, to finish <laughs> that game off. The only, uh, Sam Hayne made runs in both innings for Warwickshire, 77 and 46. Michael Burgess made 71 as well. The only highlight for Derby was a five for, for Michael Cohen, five for 43. You may, if you don't know much about Michael Cohen, it's because he's only recently arrived in England. Yet another South African um, with a, a historical right to a passport. Left arm seamer, played for South Africa under-19s. Um, he took five for 43. But uh, the, you might have got rid of Colpac, but the flood of South Africans into English county cricket doesn't, <laughs> hasn't really been stemmed. It has, yeah, but we're talking about Conway right at the very top of the show and 29-year-old come out of South African cricket, educated by South Africans, and he goes and gets a double hundred on his on his debut. And we can't really complain with the likes of Alan Lamb, Robin Smith, and, and you know, what the best player I ever played with, Kevin Peterson, came out of that system. So we can't really complain at that. Um, but no, looking at the looking at the game, this is a great league. This is a great group. This is a fantastic group. There's only really, well, I would say because Worcester's played nine games, Worcester and Derbyshire are out of it. Warwickshire are playing some decent cricket. And it is a it is a very, very good group. And it was an important win for Warwickshire because at the end of at the end of day three, I think there was some rain around. There was there was I had already lost a bit of time. And you're thinking, you know what, will they get a result in? Um, they did. It was an important one for it. And I think that what we're gonna look at the next, the next one. And, you know, I think it's on the 4th of July when they go back to playing again. It's Warwickshire versus Durham. Warwickshire are top, Durham who are fourth. That's the big, big game. So whenever they come out of the white ball section, they've got to hit the, the ground running with um, with, with the red ball because both Durham and, and Yorkshire had very, very good wins this week. Well, let's move on to Durham then, um, who beat Worcestershire by 10 wickets. David Beddingham, uh, we had him on the show a month ago after his massive uh, 250, 300 runs in the game. Um, he's uh, returned to the top of uh, the run scoring charts. But um, very, very impressive uh, victory this. Worcestershire bowled out for 131 first time around. Uh, but then making uh, 336, uh, Durham 381 needed 89 for victory and knocked them off without losing a wicket. Cameron Bancroft 46. David Beddingham scored his third hundred after a brief slump in form, making 121. Uh, for Jake Libby, uh, his, the form just continues. I mean, Jake Libby is second on the leading run scorers list with 776 at 64. Uh, David Beddingham has uh, 787 at 71 and a half. Really, really good win for uh, Durham, whose form is just a little bit um, up and down, really. When they're good, they're very good, but they, yeah. they can also be quite bad. They can be very, very bad. It's sometimes the surface to play on it at Durham and the weather that comes with the northeast of England. Opener watch. Opener watch in this game for me. That was the thing I was looking at. With England having their struggles, 
I think Alex Lees has had a very, very good start to the season. Um, and I'm sure his name's been, been touted and mentioned um, by a few people. And, and Jake Libby just seems to keep scoring runs, keep scoring runs at the top of the order. Um, so there was that. There was a couple of other notable Brandon Cars. This kid can bowl. This kid can bowl. I think he is a he is a real deal. I think he could he's got a future. I wouldn't be surprised if he is if he is in consideration for if he continues the way he's going. It would not surprise me if he and I know it's a long list of fast bowlers that he could be yeah, the, the young bowler that takes to Australia. I really do. At this minute in time, he's in the pound seats to be the young, inexperienced bowler that they seem to take every time to go to Australia because he's, he's not only is he bowling, bowling well and taking wickets, he looks as though he's bowling lively and bowling at good pace. He can bat a bit as well, but he, he looks as though he's bowling well. And young Potts came back for, he came in to replace, I think, Mark Wood. Um, got four for in the first innings, bowled very, very well. Um, and he got four for in the second innings as well. So, you know, fair play to the boy coming in, strength and depth. That's what Durham have tried to, to sort of get, to have. They've always been very, very strong in the bowling department and they've always had good backups over the course of the years. And this year is non, you know, it, it's, you lose Mark Wood and you're bringing a bowler who takes eight wickets in, a, in the match. That's, that's, you know, that's very, very good from a squad point of view. Rush has got a few wickets again, like all in all. Um, Durham will be pleased where they're sat at this moment in time because Bancroft got 46 not out um, and they're looking at a decent place and they're nine points off the top of the table fourth place Essex have played a game more than them Durham have got two games left we've got Warwickshire at Edgebaston and then the last round of the games they play nuts at Chesley Street so it's going to be it's in for me it's in Durham's hands if Durham win both games they're in division one they're in division one for the, the latter part of the Bob Willis Trophy. And that would be an f- unbelievable achievement for where that Durham, where Durham Cricket Club's been in the last sort of four or five years. So well done to Scott Borthwick, James Franklin. They've got themselves in a position. Can they get themselves over the line when we get back underway in a month? David Beddingham and Bryden Cars, I've just mentioned, learnt their cricket in South Africa. Yep. I'll tell you what, it just, it, it never ends. And you mentioned Chris Rushworth. Um, he is a leading wicket-taker now with 40 at mm. 16 and a half, just ahead of Luke Fletcher. Those are our two favourite interviews on the... Two, two favourite interviews. We had, <laughs> one, we had one crying with emotion for what he did and the other one crying with laughter because I think we got him <laughs> off the back of a very, very good night out. <laughs> <laughs> Fletcher has 38 wickets at 13.3. Really? Uh, third place... Simon Harmer with 38 as well, and Craig Overton has uh, 36. Kyle Abbott has 35. And finally, Essex's draw with Nottinghamshire. I don't know whether this might uh, might have hurt Essex a little bit. Um, they are still in second place, but as you said, they've only got one game left. And if Notts win uh, their last two, or maybe even one of their last two, uh, Durham, as you said, also very much uh, in contention for a top two spot. So um, Essex, well, there wasn't a great deal they could do. There was a lot of bad weather around. Notts, 293 all out. Simon Harmer, four for 71. Essex, 210 all out, despite Tom Wesley's 71. Um, but, yeah, there's not much you can do about bad weather. No, there's not much you can do about the bad weather. It's, it, seemed to hit, um, it, it seemed to hit this game very, very hard. And the one thing that Essex have got in their favour is the player... They don't play the next round of county championship matches, but they play Derbyshire away in at uh, Chesterfield. Small ground. Um, it's a decent. It's a decent pitch actually, Chesterfield, um, but a, a relatively small ground. Starting on the 11th of July, that's something they can hold on to. They'll know where they, they're at if if the if the Warwickshire and uh, and the Nuts uh, Warwickshire Durham game is a draw for uh, you know, whatever reason uh, the, the round of championship games before. Notts play Derbyshire. If Notts win that, you'd think Notts then are in Group 1. But Essex have got something to hold on to because by that time, Derbyshire will be well out of it. They'll be in the Division 3. Um, and you'd think Essex would, would would be a banker to win away at Chesterfield. So that's something they can hold on to. But looking at the table as it is, it's got. I think it's going to be two from Warwickshire, Notts or Durham to get into Division 1 from Group 1. And finally, Harmi, what the listeners can't see, 
is your injury. Get well. <laughs> uh, we uh, we have to share it with the listeners. You uh, you pinged your hamstring playing for Ashington Seconds the other day, didn't you? I have. I did, manners. I, I I got a, I got a, a drunken call up at about quarter to twelve on Saturday night. Me, me little pal, me little pal, Dale Ross, who's, he's, what's Dale, 48, 49. I played all junior cricket with him. And Dale struggles with his body as well as, as I do. And the second team were playing two 2020 matches on Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. And the, the phone call came in, can you, can you one of us play? And we decided between us, I'll play one and you play the other. So we were... We played against a very, very good Newcastle side. They got 170, which I thought we'd get a chance to get. Uh, I walked out to bat at 40 for five. I was going nicely, hit a couple of fours. And then I thought it was a quick single, but it was actually a long one to somebody who wasn't 42 and five stone overweight. Um, and my hamstring just packed up. And uh, I thought somebody had knifed me in the back of the leg. I was in agony. Um, and that was it. That was my Sunday afternoon done. Bag of peas on the back of the hamstring and four or five cans of crows watching the second game um, while me, me, me little pal struggled through the second one. So I've, I'm going to have to play with, play golf and a buggy from, for, the, for the foreseeable future. I love being on the field. I feel it for 20 overs and I loved it. But I think it took its toll on the body trying to, uh, to run a, a long one, which for me was a quick single. Well, put your feet up and enjoy the second test match. <laughs> You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. If you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can always listen back to the podcast, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back next week for a review of the second test between England and New Zealand at Edgebaston. But for now, thanks for listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.